Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh man, yeah baby, as my wife says, fantastic. Takeover Church, how are we doing this morning? No, no, no. Jesus went to hell and back, ladies and gentlemen. He has saved your soul for now and for eternity. So when I ask you how you are doing today, I expect a resurrection-sized praise to break loose in this place. How are you? That's what praise looks like when Jesus takes over your life. That's what we're here for. Fantastic. Well, hey, this morning has been absolutely incredible. Can you guys just make some noise for our serve crew and our worship crew? Come on, somebody. Because uh, today, specifically, there have been some curveballs that have been thrown. And you know what? They hit every single one of them out of the park. And I am so incredibly proud to be a part of a church and a team that says, come whatever may. We're going to praise our faces off and God is going to get all the glory that he is owed. Amen. That's the kind of church that we are. This whole thing is about Jesus. So this morning, as you might be aware, we are in a series called This Is Us. Who's been loving this series so far? This is the 10th week in this series. 10 weeks! Oh my gosh. Uh, but it's been so much fun, and I don't know uh, how long it's going to keep going and what's going to happen because God just keeps breaking things loose, doesn't he? I just, week in and week out, heaven has something to say for the church, doesn't she? Because honestly, for us, this is us. It's less about a riff on the great NBC show. And by great, I mean rip your heart out at the heartstrings show. This is us. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with a plea and a cry to our generation of what a disciple looks like. Of what you and I, we are actually called to be in and through Jesus Christ. I, friends, I am broken open for the world that we live in right now that the fact remains there can come a time, there can come a place where if you and I, we are not arbiters of the truth of Jesus, if we do not bring this to the forefront, our culture will leave Jesus behind. The next generation will not understand what it looks like to be a, a disciple because it won't be imported into their generation. They won't be invited into the house. They will leave this behind. Call it post-Christianity all you want. What I do know is that Jesus Christ wants to partner with his bride, the church, so that he can build his kingdom and that the gates of hell will not prevail against her. So it's my heart and it is my plea and it is my cause right now to say this is us. This is us. We are disciples, the ones that are disciplined in the ways of Jesus. In a world, in a time, in an hour on the face of the earth where discipline doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody, we will be disciplined in the ways of Jesus. Amen. Y'all ready for the word of God? Let's get it. I love worship. Worship is for God. It is for him. It is to give him all the adoration and praise and glory that he is due. And then the word is for us. It is to equip the saints, to edify the body, to challenge us, and to send us out to do good works. Amen. So this morning, if you're taking notes for week 10 of This Is Us, who's ready? Dagum, I left my coffee over there. Can somebody bring me my coffee over there? It's hot, too. It's hot, too. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tony Soprano of Takeover Church. I love that shirt. 
or Charlie Sheen. He doesn't like that I call him Tony Soprano. Title, we're having a little fun. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. Chance of triumph, songs of praise. Chance of triumph, songs of praise. One more time for the note takers. Chance of triumph, songs of praise. And this morning we're going to come out of the book of Acts if you'll go there right now in your Bibles or in your smartphones, and if not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible on the screen. But Acts 16, 22 through 34, we're going to see what is happening. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. Great way to start off a message. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off of them, gave them orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison. He fastened their feet in the stocks about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them. Verse 16, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. They, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and all of his family. And then he brought to them to his house, set before he brought them to his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. We're gonna pray, and then we're gonna see what the Lord will do with that. Sound good? <sighs> Father God, I thank you so much for this moment. Lord, in the midst of a heat index, and all of these other things. Father God, there's no place that we desire to be more in this moment, God, than right here in your house. All the things that could be better, all the improvements that we will make on the building, all the things, God, that we are excited about and have faith for and are longing for, and it's going to be great, it's going to be awesome, and you're going to be glorified right now, God. We reposition our hearts and our minds and our souls on your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we say right now you have all of our attention. Not the heat, not the sounds of the fans. Right now, you are the reason that we are here. You are what we are most excited about. You have all of our attention. You have all of our surrender. Right now in this moment, God, we are here for you and you alone. Church has never been and never will be about our personal comfort or our personal safety. It's always been about your Christ. 
So Father God, we just position ourselves to see you this morning, to hear from you this morning. Come like the wind and blow our minds today. And we'll give you every ounce of glory. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled, believing in Jesus Christ as a source of all life, church set. Amen. Amen. Come on. Chants of triumph, songs of praise. So I love this portion of scripture because... If you spent any amount of time with me, you might look at me and go, little guy, big attitude, a lot like Paul. I wish. It, generally, I'm probably more compared to Peter because I'm down to do stupid things for the Lord and then have to, you know, repent and grovel and get back in the boat later. You know what I mean? Like, that's usually me. But I want to say that I'm like Paul because Paul is probably my favorite disciple Paul is probably my favorite person in scripture outside of Jesus, obviously, because I just love Paul. I love that he's blunt, because I'm blunt. I love that he gets in trouble, because I get in trouble. I love that he's just down to rock and roll for Jesus, because I'm down to rock and roll for Jesus. And so for me, we could not possibly get any further into the series without talking about Matt's personal favorite disciple. Now today, you might find yourself saying, Matt... Paul is not a disciple, he's an apostle. Well, why you would be correct on that, he wasn't one of the original 12, make no mistake about it, Paul is definitely a disciple by definition of one who is disciplined in the ways of Jesus. Because friends, if we're going to throw out the word disciple this morning because Paul is technically an apostle, well then we need to throw out the word disciple entirely because there's this guy Judas, and he wasn't really disciplined in the ways of Jesus, okay? So that would exclude you and me from that word. So now that we're on the same page, here is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is amazing. I love this guy. He used to persecute Christians as a guy named Saul. And then one day, he was out to go persecute more Christians, to imprison them, to beat them, to enslave them, to murder them. This is, this is Paul, the guy we just read about. And one day, he found himself on his horse. And suddenly he had scales come over his eyes. He was blinded. He heard the voice of Jesus. The presence of Jesus was felt. The presence of Jesus knocked him off his horse. And from that moment forward, Saul became Paul, and Paul began preaching Jesus. He began leading churches. Paul would go on to write literally three-fourths, and some change, of the New Testament. So make no mistake about it, this is the guy who God used to set up how you and I perceive and do church today. Paul is awesome. And so in this moment of scripture, friends, there's one phrase you're going to hear here all the time that take over church. It's this, context is king. Context is king. Because context keeps us safe. Context keeps us from going off the rails. Context keeps us from starting to find our own ideas and our own interpretations. And, well, I feel like he said this. No, no, no. Context keeps us where the Lord wants us. Because this is all on purpose that it's in here. And so in this moment, you see Paul and Silas, and they get thrown in prison. They get thrown in prison. The context here is this. Moments before this, there was a demon-possessed woman who happened to be a fortune teller. This demon-possessed woman was following Paul and Silas down this road, and she was just scoffing, and she was mocking, and she was making fun, and she just kept saying, Oh, here's Paul, and here's Silas, coming to tell you about the Lord Jesus. And she was just making fun, heckling 
getting a crowd to gather around them. And it's funny, Paul, he's so gangster that he's just down to let her be tormented for a while by the demon, which is nuts, okay? He's just down to let the demon do its thing. To me, I would have stopped it immediately, you know. But Paul, he likes to make a point. And so what ends up happening is Paul and Silas, they end up turning to her and it says that they've had enough. And Paul turns around and says, you wicked and evil spirit, I command you, leave this girl right now. And guess what? The Bible tells us within the same moment, the demon left her and she was now free. Come on, praise God, how good is that? You know what's really funny about fortune tellers? About anybody who's underneath any kind of demonic influence or oppression? The funny thing about a fortune teller, if you've ever noticed this, they can never tell you about your future. They can only tell you about your past. The crazy thing about the demonic, about the devil, about wicked people, about people who are under the influence of hell, they don't have the power to create. They only have the influence to counterfeit. The enemy can never tell you about your future. He can only bring up your past to discredit your future. But how good is Lord Jesus? Because Lord Jesus, not only does he have the power to create, he has no use for the counterfeit. Lord Jesus, no, 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 no. While the enemy is using your past to discredit your future, Lord Jesus is using your future to discredit your past. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I don't know who that's for in here this morning. That's not even in my notes. That's free this morning. This is what God wants to tell somebody. Anybody who's bringing up your past, anybody who's trying to discredit your future based upon it, is not using good works for Jesus. They are not edifying you. They are not building you up. They are trying to further chain you and lock you up. But Lord Jesus... Oh, man, he will tell you about your future as the day is long until you forget about your past. This is who our God is. And that's what happens in this moment. Paul and Silas, they tell this demon to flee while simultaneously telling this girl about her future. And this is an amazing moment. But see, what ends up happening is, is this woman at this point in time, she was actually owned. She was the property of some Romans. She was the human property. She was a slave. They were making money off of her by her telling fortunes, by her going over people's past. Oh, your mother hurt you, and oh, this happened, and they're on the other side waiting for you. And this is a thing that goes back for so long. And so what ends up happening is while Paul and Silas set her free from her demonic oppression, they also set these guys free from their income. And how many of you know they didn't sit well with them? And so what ends up happening is these guys, they go to the magistrate, the lawmakers at the time, and they tell them, these Jews, which is nuts because Paul is actually a Roman citizen, these Jews, they're out here setting people free, doing these weird law things that aren't allowed in Roman law. They're out here uh, taking away our income. They set our slave free. Like, this is not okay. We cannot allow this kind of upheaval to continue. Isn't it amazing how true freedom looks in a wicked society? Yeah. Isn't it crazy how liberation, real liberation looks absolutely crazy? It will be chastised, it will be persecuted, it will become against, there will be things that will move against truth so that 
it can keep its filthy paws on what it believes is its property. Friends, the church will always be persecuted. The church will always be persecuted. Truth will always be persecuted. It's just a, it's just a part of the game. Jesus said, oh, they hate me. Wait till they get a load of you. There is a one of me, and they will beat me, and they will put me in the ground, and I will come back out that grave. Believe me. But when I do, I'm going to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This church thing, it's going worldwide. This Jesus thing, it's going worldwide. And when it does, they hated me. They're certainly going to hate you. Funny thing about persecution is it either builds or it breaks. Persecution will either build or it breaks. One of the two is a guarantee. But do you know what is an absolute certainty in persecution? It will either build or it will break, but the one certainty of it is it will reveal. Persecution will either build or it will break, but make certain persecution will reveal. Persecution will always reveal what is on the inside of the church. Persecution will always reveal what is on the inside of a Christian. Persecution will always reveal what's on the inside of a marriage, what's on the inside of a single person, what's on the inside of a prophet, what's on the inside of an actor. When things start moving against you because you are doing what the Lord has called you to do, it will either build you or it will break you. But understand this today, my friends. It will reveal what is on the inside of you. Well, Matt, how can you say that? How can you say that? Because I see this position in Scripture. I see this portion of Scripture, sorry. And what ends up happening is that Paul and Silas are now thrown in jail. It says that they are stripped, that they are beaten with rods, they are made nude, and they are put in shackles. What you've got to understand, again, context is king, friends. You see, they're in Rome. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. No, don't <laughs> preach the gospel. Praise God, right? What ends up happening is, what ends up happening is, my tongue just got real soft. <laughs> what ends up happening is, Paul and Silas, they're not just thrown in any jail. You see, when you're in Rome, you're not just a prison or a prisoner. No, you're a slave. You are now the property of the state. You are now owned by Rome. When they decide that you are wrong, guess who you are? You are Maximus and Gladiator. And I bring that up because the prison that they're put in, it's in Rome. They are slaves. They're going to be used for manual labor. They're going to be used for entertainment in the Colosseum and where they are kept. Literally, you can go to this place where Paul and Silas was kept. The context here is that this is a prison in the bottom of the Roman Colosseum. That's where they're at. Put that picture in your head. Because you know what's also right where they are? Straight above Paul and Silas in this moment is spectators, our fans, our raving mad lunatics watching lions and tigers and bears, oh my, devour human beings. And where the prisons and the jail cells were actually located are directly beneath the bathrooms. So Paul and Silas are shacked up 
shackled down, chained up, in complete bondage, and they would be, you can see the lines in the Roman Colosseum today, they would be up to their knees at least in human excrement, in waste, in urine, in vomit, in feces. This is where the slaves were kept, broken, bloodied, and beaten. Context is king. Matt, why do you bring that up? I bring that up because persecution, we've never faced persecution like this. We've never suffered to this level before. But when we do, persecution will either break you or it will build you, but most certainly it will always reveal what's on the inside of you because here is Paul and Silas, bloodied, beaten, broken, stripped down to their skibbies. Y'all don't want to see me in my undies. Tell you what. Really? Okay. It's fine. My awesome WWE underwear. Anyways. Paul and Silas. They are singing praises to God. They are praying to God at midnight. It's the most unforeseen, unwanted, unreal, amazing, incredible situation they could ever find themselves ripped open. Fresh wounds, beaten by hundreds of people in the streets probably. And at midnight, they are praying and singing to God. You know what that tells me? Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that in this moment, breakthrough wasn't something that Paul and Silas were waiting for. Breakthrough was something that they brought with them. Breakthrough wasn't something that they were waiting on. Breakthrough was something they already came with. That tells me that, man, persecution, hard times, unforeseen, undesired, unwanted, uncomfortable situations and circumstances will reveal what is on the inside of you and what kind of faithfulness will God find when you are pushed and pressed on all sides. When you find yourself in this situation, friends, if Paul and Silas were people of our generation, if Paul and Silas were millennials, I wonder how this story would play out. It probably wouldn't be recorded. It probably wouldn't have been written down. It wouldn't be anything to brag about because if it was nowadays and this was happening, so many of us, when we go through unforeseen circumstances, when we find ourselves in a dire situation, we are quick to turn a deaf ear to God and go mute in his presence. Our generation is in desperate need of an awakening. When we were singing moments ago, I just kept hearing the Lord saying, in this room right now, we are raising up dead bones. 
We are raising up dead bones. We are raising up soldiers. And we are raising up generals. And we are raising up men and women to lead this next generation. There are dead, dry bones in this room that God is working on. That God is breathing life into. That God is making something beautiful out of. That will lead this world into the next millennium. Or so when Jesus comes back, that is what this church is going to be. Revelation tells us that the church in the darkest and ends of times will actually be looked on and desired, persecuted, come against. People trying to burn you down, cancel you, for sure. But the world will hunger and thirst for what we have because we are not people who are overthrown by our circumstances. But we will be found in persecution, a people fully surrendered to Jesus. Will you be a person who is overthrown by your circumstances? Or will you be a person who is surrendered to Jesus? Friends, this is a decision that you and I have to make. Because at one point in time, we were in a generation. We had Christians who literally were recklessly abandoning themselves to the cause of Christ. Missions were breaking out. People were going across the globe. Things were happening, and they still are. Make no mistake about it. There are still great things going on. But man, the church was on mission. She understood it wasn't about air conditioners and having things be comfortable. It was about Christ and Christ alone. There was a time when there was a generation on the earth, and she said this. Now, I know it's been ragged, a lot, ragged, about, ragged on a lot by our generation. And I know a lot of people who think they know better than the previous generation have thrown this out and have maked and mocked about it before. But there was a generation who would honestly live this way. When in need, sow a seed. That was a phrase. That was a real phrase. It's not capital C charismatic. It's not capital P Pentecostal. It's not lowercase b Baptist. Come on. It was a way of life. But along came a generation that was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to live to twist the arm of God and and just think that we can just keep throwing money at the Lord and somehow that's going to make him move us on our behalf. That's not what giving's about. That's not what tithing's about. That's not what they were about when they were saying it. They were saying, if I have lack, I'm not pulling back from God. I'm giving him my all. If I have a need, I'm not going without. God's not going without. I'm giving him my all. If I am feeling pressed, I'm pushing in even more. If church... It's amazing how much freedom, liberation, and space you will begin to experience when you're feeling pressed, when you push into Jesus. When you are feeling pressed, perplexed, broken, crushed on all sides, when you begin to push into Jesus, you will find your liberation. You will find your fresh breath of air. You will find fresh wind underneath your wings. You will rise up on wings like eagles, and you will renew your strength. That's what Isaiah said. But our generation, we're not found saying, when in need, sow a seed. We're not found giving our all. Could you imagine if Paul was a millennial? 
He gets thrown in jail for preaching the gospel? I could just see him, you know. You know what, Silas? Maybe it was just my allergies that day. Maybe I didn't have scales. Maybe I just had allergies and my eyes are really crusty. You know, I'm really starting to doubt all this stuff about God. Maybe that wasn't even the voice of Jesus. Maybe my allergies was bugging. Maybe I had vertigo. Maybe I shouldn't have been on that horse. And then Silas is over there trying to be like, dude, no, Jesus is real. He, he met you on that horse. I'm here today because you met Jesus. And he's like, no. Nope, I just got excited. And I was, seeing, I was seeing a movement rise up, and it was all emotionalism. It was all emotionalism. There was people who were willing to die for this guy, Jesus. And I was like, what's this about? i got to get in on this. You know, I started wearing Hollister when it was cool, too. I've always been a trend follower, not a trendsetter. You know what? I just need to, I just need to go and learn about myself. I heard, this, I heard this jail has a really great Enneagram, uh, you know, course that I can take. You know what? I just, nope. Ah. It's just like a five. Just like a five. To go with the trends, I'm, I'm just a wet noodle. And you know what? I was going with the Jews because they were strong and powerful. And now I went with Jesus. And look where it got me. Look where it got me. I'm laying in poop right now. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Friends. Breakthrough never comes on the backside of a backslide. Understand that today. At about midnight, Paul and Silas are in jail, up to their knees in feces, bruised, beaten, and given opportunity, every reason, under the sun, to reject God, curse him, and just accept their lot in life. And instead, and instead of going backwards, instead of backsliding, instead of backtracking, they were seeking breakthrough. Breakthrough for our generation Man, we will turn a deaf ear to God. We will go mute in his presence, and we will look for something that will instantly and immediately gratify the flesh. God's saying, seek me. Come away with me. I am at the door, and I knock. I am the quiet, still whisper in the mountain where chaos is roaming, but I am with you. Seek me first, the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added onto you. This is God. No, God, God would never want me to go to jail. God would not want me to be in hard times. That is not God's favor. Have you ever met his son, Jesus? You got beaten and thrown in jail. Jesus got beaten and got dead. Breakthrough generation. People of this room, take over church, people watching at home. Breakthrough is never found on the backside of a backslide. You know where breakthrough is found? 
Breakthrough is found in a seed. Breakthrough is found in a seed. Breakthrough is found in a seed. What do you mean by that, Matt? Friends, before there was ever a need for breakthrough, there was already a seed for breakthrough. You see, Paul and Silas, the reason they're able to stand there in the middle of the night, and the reason they're able to pray and they're able to sing, because us, we're going, yeah, I get prayer. I get prayer. Like, if you're not going to backslide, I get praying, like, lamenting to God. I get that. That makes sense. But how can you praise? How can you sing? How can you lift up a shout? How can you do these things while you are knee-high in finkel matter after you just got bruised and beaten, wrongly accused by a society, and canceled? How? See, Paul and Silas, they weren't waiting on a breakthrough. They came with a breakthrough. Like every good jailbreak story, ladies and gentlemen, Paul and Silas, they had an inside man. Like every good jailbreak story, I don't care if it's prison break, I don't care if it's Paul and Silas. I don't care what story inside man with Denzel Washington, my favorite person. Okay, I don't care what jailbreak you're talking about. There is always an inside man for a successful jailbreak. Because how many of you know Jesus won't be found in your prison if he didn't come with you in it? Jesus will not be found in your prison if he is not found in you when you're going into it. Jesus was there because Paul and Silas brought him with them. You notice how uh, he didn't start acting on the outside of the prison, but he started acting on the inside of the prison? No, it says there was an earthquake below the prison. It says that suddenly things started shaking and rattling and breaking in the prison. It says that doors began to fly open inside the prison. God didn't act on the prison on the outside of it. God acted on the inside of the prison. Why? Because Paul and Silas came equipped and fully loaded with one Jesus Christ. Friends, Paul and Silas had a posture of breakthrough before they ever had an outcome of breakthrough. Paul and Silas had a posture of breakthrough before they ever had the desired outcome of breakthrough. Friends, can I tell you why that is this morning? Because for Paul and Silas, they weren't waiting on a breakthrough. They were worshiping the breakthrough. They weren't waiting on their circumstances to change to the most desired. They were worshiping their most desired. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, I came to tell a generation this morning, you and me, we are going to change this world, I promise you. You and me, we have got to get this on the inside of us. Paul and Silas knew this, and we need to receive this. Jesus is victory enough. Jesus is victory enough. Whether their circumstances change, listen, they weren't slaves so they could get out. They were in prison so they could get out. This was, outside of God's interference, certain death. Whether it was death by manual labor, death by infection, or death by being eaten by lions and tigers and bears. Or killed by other centurions. This was certain death. 
and in the midst of certain death, they weren't praying for a desired outcome. They weren't waiting for God to show up and rattle the doors off. They had no idea what was going to happen. They had a certain future, and they knew, they knew this was going to ultimately lead in death unless Jesus was their victory. And Paul and Silas, they decided before they ever were in this position, they resolved within themselves, Jesus was victory enough. They weren't waiting on the desired outcome. Friends, your victory isn't found in your positive test results. Your victory isn't found when breakthrough happens. Your victory isn't found when the court case goes your way. The victory isn't found when the sickness goes away. Victory isn't found when your marriage is reconciled. Victory actually isn't found in any of our desired outcomes. Victory is solely found in the one we desire which is Jesus, which is Jesus. When we decide that Lord Jesus is victory enough, that's the kind of posture that breakthrough can ride in on. When we decide that Lord Jesus is enough, when we're just content with Jesus, Man, we have four mothers and we have four fathers and there are four runners of our faith that gave their necks, that gave their lives, that gave their skin, that gave their, their endorphins, that gave every ounce of their body to making sure this victory in Jesus was found in the earth. And here we are waiting to praise God for when the outcome happens. We are a generation of consumers. We are a generation of consumers. We are waiting to praise God until we get ours. But Paul and Silas knew what you and I need to understand today, that if you were ever going to see Jesus Christ break through on your behalf, Breakthrough cannot happen on the outside of you if breakthrough hasn't happened on the inside of you. They didn't leave that day because of breakthrough. They left that day because breakthrough was found in them. Like any sports team, any fighter, any people who have accomplished a great feat of victory, they, you turn on the TV and they're being interviewed, and what you don't hear is this. Oh, yeah, we totally thought we were going to lose. Uh, but here we are. Who knew? Who thunk it? We, we, had, we completely thought we were just going to die today. We came into today thinking this was going to be a total embarrassment and we were going to die. You never hear that. Do you know what you hear often from a team that's victorious? Hey, you guys must have been really impressed with that win today. You went out there, you did this, yada, yada, yada. What can you tell us about your game plan going into it? Yeah, we studied. We studied the tape, we saw how they were coached, we watched their previous games, we took a lesson from how we were defeated last year, and you know what, we went into today feeling pretty confident that we were going to walk out with a W, because we studied. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like people who are disciplined in the ways of victory. 
that sounds like people who were disciplined in the ways of victory. And you know what? Paul and Silas were disciplined in the ways of victory because they didn't wait to get the W. They didn't wait to be found in prison. They didn't wait for the breakthrough to happen. They were prepared for breakthrough because breakthrough came with them. That's the kind of breakthrough that God can do in your life. But it comes when you are disciplined and you are discipled in the ways of victory. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? So Matt, why did you title your message, Chants of Triumph, Songs of Praise? I realize we haven't gotten to that part. We're still at midnight, aren't we? Chants of triumph, songs of praise. Because in this moment, the scripture tells us that they were praying. They were praying and they were seeking God. And it says they were singing songs of hymns. Nat, can you throw those definitions up for me? You see, friends... We're going to do a little Greek lesson for you. And just so Charlie knows, I finally made a slide for it. It says they were singing hymns of praise. You see this word singing in the Greek, in the original language, is this word that looks like peon, but it's peon. So when it says singing, what the Lord is saying is peon, and a peon is a chant of triumph. They weren't simply singing. They weren't simply lifting up Hillsong's greatest hits. They weren't dropping the new uh, Maverick City song as great as they may be or as awesome as they may make you feel. That is not what they were doing in this moment. They were lifting up peon, chants of triumph, and then they were singing Songs of hymns and hymnos means songs of praise. Songs of praise. Friends, we are in a moment where there is an absolute contradiction taking place. Because how are you triumphant when you are in servitude? How are you triumphant when you are a slave? How are you triumphant when you are in prison? How are you triumphant when you are the one that is up to your knees in finkel matter and excrement? How is this triumph? Well, for Paul, he wasn't like you and me. He was disciplined in the ways of Jesus. Because while Lord Jesus was being hung up on a cross, his words were, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. His last word was, it is finished. There was triumph in defeat because the outcome wasn't what they desired. Jesus is what they desired. How can we chant hymns? How can we chant triumph? How can we declare victory when we are in bondage? Because victory wasn't found in a desired outcome. Victory was found in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Victory for Paul wasn't whether their freedom ever emerged whether they ever saw the light of day again. 
victory for Paul was that he stood firm in the Gospels because this is what Jesus would do. Victory for Paul is that he set free a demon-possessed woman who was a slave and used as income for men. His victory is found in who God is, not where he found himself. He was not shaken by his situation. Instead, he was fully surrendered to his Savior. Friends, you and me, we will look at this and we will go, how? How is that possible? How can you lift up songs of praise? How is he good? How is he great? How is he still Lord of it all? How is he still above you? How are you still the head and not the tail? How do you still have John, Jeremiah 29 11 on your bumper sticker? Like how can you live this way when everything is going against you? Because their hope wasn't found when everything is going right. Their hope is found when they're giving all the glory to God. That's how you can lift up chants of triumph and songs of praise. Something's rattling up here. I don't know what that is. Oh, there's a baby. What up? I was just having a Stephen Furtick moment. Like, the bones began to rattle. I was like, sweet, what's God going to do? What's God about to do? It was about midnight, and Paul and Silas were up, and it says that all the prisoners were listening, that everyone was paying attention, because there was two men in there who didn't just get complacent, who didn't go quietly into the cold, dark night, who didn't give order, over to what their order, overlords and government were saying to them, who did not just fall asleep and die in their lot in life. They did not just go quietly into the cold, dark night because Lord Jesus was their victory. They could make their praises loud in what should otherwise be a silent night. Friends, if you and I will get this on the inside of us today, we can experience breakthrough tomorrow. If we can get victory on the inside of us today, we will experience breakthrough tomorrow. What you mean by that, Pastor Matt? I mean that this says at about midnight, 1159, they are chanting triumph. They are praising God. They are lifting up songs. They are making their praises loud. They are talking to God. They are worshiping right there in bondage at about midnight. How many of you know those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength? How many of you know that joy comes in the morning? How many of you know that his mercies are new every morning because 1201 comes quick and what we see is an earthquake? We see shackles being broken, and we see doors flying open. But it wasn't because they waited for breakthrough to praise God. It's because they praised God from a position of breakthrough. And then what ends up happening is this. Worship team, you can make your way up here. What ends up happening is this. I love this moment. I love this moment. It says an earthquake happens, it shakes the very foundation. Doors are swung open. 
shackles are broken off. You see, friends, it didn't matter how strong Paul was. It didn't matter how strong Silas was. It didn't matter how strong those two were together. There is no way as individuals, as human beings, they were breaking those chains, that they were breaking those doors open, and that earthquake would shake. Didn't matter what they had done on the inside of them, didn't matter how much they prepared physically, doesn't matter what they were as a person. There was no way any level of breakthrough like that was gonna come to them. Not on their own. Friends, if Jesus isn't breakthrough enough for you, any breakthrough you will attempt to achieve will be on your own and will be to the level of which you were able to achieve on your own. And let me tell you, they weren't going to experience much breakthrough on their own. They weren't going to get very far on their own. You see, in order for breakthrough to happen around you, it first has to happen within you. So Paul and Silas, they decided, this won't be our last stand. We won't fall like every single person in this jail right now. We won't give in to our feelings, our emotions, our bodies that are bruised and beaten, likely infected. We won't give in to the physical realities of what we are experiencing. Instead, we will keep the posture of our hearts one that is Jesus is enough. Friends, if Jesus isn't enough, no amount of breakthrough will ever be. Because you will have another battle. You will have another prison. You will have another moment of fight or flight. You will have another instance that you find yourself in where you are overthrown and you are shaken by situations, circumstances. People will fail you. Heartbreak will come. Pornography will come knocking. Late night DMs will slide in. Things will come for your head. And you will find yourself in a place again of attempting to acquire breakthrough in your own strength and in your own striving, and you will fail at it. Because breakthrough is actually what you desire, not Jesus himself. See, in the Old Testament, they called Jesus Balperism. Balperism doesn't mean God of the desired outcome. Doesn't mean God who fulfills all your wish dreams and bucket lists. Balperism doesn't mean you get what you want when you want it. Balperism means the God of bursting through. The God of bursting through. He is breakthrough enough. And when he is breakthrough enough, when he is victory enough, not only will you experience breakthrough in your life, but breakthrough will be loose in the lives around you. Please stand to your feet as we get ready to worship.
see in this moment. The breakthrough that blessed Paul and Silas was the same breakthrough that would ultimately grace those who certainly didn't deserve it, those who certainly didn't have Jesus, those who certainly were stuck in their ways, stuck in their shackles, stuck in their sin, and were probably in jail for righteous reasons. But the goodness of God, the victory that is Jesus, who He is, in your moment of darkness, in your midnight hour, when you are pressed, beaten, and feeling defeated, if you will make your chance triumph, if you will lift up not songs of self-medication, not songs of self-soothing, not just trying to sleep to get through the night, not just medicating yourself to get through another day, not just attempting to make it until suddenly you find freedom where it finds you, but if you will make your songs of praise, Not only will God move in your life, but He will use the breakthrough that He brings you as an avenue to grace those around you. Friends, in this moment, the plan went terribly wrong for this jailer. Because there was a shaking that happened. All the doors broke open. All the chains fell off. And freedom was being wrung out and played out in this prison. But you know what's funny? Right as he's about to take his life, this jailer, Paul cries out, Don't kill yourself. We're all here. We're all here. What do you mean, even the murderers? Yeah. Even the thieves? Yeah, they're still here. What do you mean, all the guys that did all those heinous things? They're still here. And Silas, is he still here? Silas is still here. Could you imagine the confusion this man is experiencing when the glory of God, the weight of heaven, burst through in this jail and every single heathen, every single criminal, every single murderer and rapist and whatever else they may have been, every single promiscuous person, they didn't flee, they didn't run, they didn't get the heck out of Dodge because suddenly they were open to it. Those that didn't deserve it experience the grace of God because of your faithfulness to God. They were all there. Church broke out in that prison because breakthrough wasn't a desired outcome. Breakthrough was a posture because victory wasn't something they were waiting from. Victory was something they were living from. People who should be on the run wanted men and wanted women wanted nothing else than to come to the feet of Jesus and hear what Paul and Silas had to say. So much so the one task of keeping them in prison, keeping them in bondage, was actually led to Lord Jesus in that moment.
greatest plague in our generation is not COVID-19. The greatest plague in our generation is instant gratification. Because we want what we think we need when we want it. But what God wants is getting the good news out to as many people who need to hear it. And for Paul and Silas that day, the good news being spread didn't stop with the demon-possessed women. It was in that jailhouse. It was in that prison, that entire place. How many families were changed from that moment forward? How many destinies were changed because they didn't wait for breakthrough to worship God? How many families can be changed when we leave here today and we understand this jailbreak is what Jesus has done on the inside of all of us and what he will do in every single one of our circumstances, in our situations. How many families, how many lives, how many friends, how many wrongs can be righted when Jesus is victory enough? So we're actually going to sing a song called Breakthrough. Is that right? We're going to do Blessing Assurance. Never mind. We're doing Blessing Assurance because our worship team knows best. And when we go into Blessed Assurance, this is an amazing old hymn. This is a chance of triumph. Because we get to marry ourselves to Paul and Silas in this moment. And we get to be in any season of life. And we get to chant, oh, what a Savior. Wonderful Jesus. This is our blessed assurance that no matter you are in prison, whether you have cancer, whether you find sickness, whether your marriage is on the rocks, no matter where you find yourself, blessed assurance that you have a wonderful Savior in Jesus. Amen. So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, we're going to lift holy hands to heaven. We're going to lift surrendered hands to heaven. We're going to lift surrendered lives. We are not going to cave to our circumstances. We're not going to cave to our situations. We're not going to cave to doubt or fear or worry or deconstruction. No, we are going to make our praises known to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord of hosts, the Lord who is, who was, and will be again, Jesus. Oh, what a Savior, wonderful, perfect Jesus. Would you just lift your hands as the worship team begins to sing?